1: it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
3: I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington. And this week on Face the Nation, breaking overnight, a USF-22 shoots down a third unidentified aerial object in the skies over northwestern Canada. And fighter jets are scrambled following a curious radar signal over Montana. What are these incursions all about? Just one day after U.S. fighter jets shot down a high altitude airborne object over Alaska, on Saturday an unidentified item was taken down over the Yukon territory of Canada. Debris recovery for both objects are underway as the FBI continues its analysis of what's left of that Chinese spy balloon that was shot down a week ago off the coast of South Carolina. We'll talk with two key lawmakers, House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall and Senator John Tester. Saturday night, the military sent fighter aircraft to investigate what it called a radar anomaly over Tester's home state of Montana. Frustration is mounting on Capitol Hill about what's going on here and what more we can do to head off these intrusions. Plus, we heard the president's take on the State of the Union, but as the nation's governors convene in Washington, we'll check in with four of them on the state of their states and the challenges that they're facing. And as the death toll grows in Turkey and Syria, we'll have the latest on recovery efforts and share our perspective on some of these global threats. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning, and welcome to Face the Nation. As we come on the air, the big question in our minds today is, what is going on here with what seemed like a deluge of potential incursions? What are these objects? Where are they coming from? What is their purpose? And are we experiencing an increase of the so-called unidentified aerial objects, or are we just looking for them more carefully following the Chinese spy balloon event? We will do our best to try and get some of those questions answered today. We are going to begin with Montana's Senator John Tester. Good morning to you, Senator. Good morning. So late Saturday, NORAD and NORTHCOM said there was a radar anomaly over your state, which is why airspace was closed. Was it a false alarm, or is there an object over Montana?
4: Well, I think the investigation is still going on as we speak. Um, uh, The truth is is that there was an anomaly, and they've investigated. I think it got dark last night, so they couldn't fully check it out. I'm sure as we speak, it's being checked out right now.
3: So it hasn't been ruled out. There may still be something up
4: there. Absolutely. There may still be something up there there, it it may be a false alarm.
3: Is the policy now to shoot down any unidentified object?
4: Well, I think that's a very, very good question, and that's a better question for uh, General Milley. But the truth of the matter is, is that they need to have a policy. They being the military needs to have a policy to recommend to the president. It's something that, uh, as as chairman of the Defense Committee and and ranking member Collins, we've already talked about this. We're going to make sure that there is a plan. We're going to make sure if that plan needs to be funded, that it gets funded. This is what's gone on the last, uh, you know, two weeks or so, 10 days, has been uh, nothing short of... Um, craziness and uh, the military needs to have a plan to not only determine uh, what's out there but determine the dangers that go with it.
3: So you don't know what will happen to this object over Montana?
4: My guess is it'll get shot down but okay. the military will make an assessment uh, as to uh, potential collateral damage just like they did on the Chinese spy balloon.
3: So you have spent time as I understand it with General Milley uh, the have. chairman of the Joint Chiefs and other DOD officials and um, Could he share with you anything about this mysterious object that was cylindrical and floating over Canada or the car sized one over Alaska?
4: Well, I think uh, you've got what he shared with me at that moment in time and that they had they had done an an assessment of it and and determined that it was unmanned and determined that uh, um, it, it should be shot down because they weren't absolutely positive that it was of no threat.
3: So the the object of Alaska was near Prudhoe Bay, which is one of the most important energy fields in this country. Does that sound to you like it's espionage, state-driven espionage?
4: Well, look, I don't think things happen by mistake when it comes to China. Uh, I you think, think this was China? I don't know. I don't know that it's China. We will find out later on uh, if, in fact, it was uh, affiliated with the Chinese communist government or not. But but the bottom line is is that I think we need to take these things seriously. I think the president and I think, more importantly, the military are taking them very, very seriously. And, and to back that up, I think, through the appropriations process and the defense committee, we're gonna make sure that they're taking it seriously. So uh, the checks and balances will be there as we move forward. But um, this is, uh, like I said, this has been a phenomenon that we haven't had recently, uh, where we've had other countries that have went into our airspace uh, for the purpose of trying to gather information on what we're doing here in the United States.
3: You said, and you underscored uh, your key role in helping to determine the budget there for the Pentagon, that you don't remember hearing anything that dealt with balloons. How long has the military actually been tracking this?
4: Well, I mean, th- that's a better question for the military from my perspective. Um, but
3: they weren't sharing it with Congress. They weren't
4: sharing it with me. And so uh, I can't say what their awareness was over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but obviously there was some awareness, but uh, whether it was up to where it needed to be, that's a, that's a debate that Congress needs to have and questions that need to be answered by our, our military leadership.
3: You were very critical. You made that very clear and plain spoken about the fact that administration didn't shoot down the confirmed Chinese spy balloon over the state of Montana, Um, and you wanted it shot down as soon as it was in U.S. airspace. Has your view changed at all after you've been briefed?
4: Yeah, well, so initially I was very much for shooting it down when it was over the Aleutians. I think uh, what transpired was is is that the, the military took assessments as to potential collateral damage, and the threat of this balloon. And, uh, you know, we pay these folks uh, good money to make sure we keep our nation safe. And uh, I respect their view. Uh, and uh, and the president f- followed that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, going on in the future, I think there needs to be a plan that's right up front so we know exactly what's going to happen when these balloons come in and their threat is assessed, what's going to happen. But, but look, we, I got briefed uh, both an open session and a classified session. And, and quite honestly, uh, the, the military and intelligence community's explanation of what transpired with that balloon, I accept. Is it something that I would have done right out of of the shoot? No, I I would have probably done it different. But that's not saying that I'm right or I'm wrong or they're right or they're wrong. In the end, we ended up with a balloon that they've recovered and they're going to take and put it back together and reverse engineer it, and we'll find out what they're up to, plus the information that was gathered while it came across the United States.
3: So um, I, I hear you say there's value in the, that intelligence. Yes. But in terms of, of damage, according to what was declassified, that Chinese balloon could intercept signals intelligence. It could pick up chatter. It hovered over some pretty... Key states, uh, locations in your state, including uh, one that ha- ho- houses, excuse me, 150 intercontinental ballistic missiles.
4: No doubt about that. Was uh, there
3: damage done?
4: Um, no doubt about that, and there better not have been damage done, or it, it, it makes my case for shooting a doggone thing down over the Aleutian Islands. Look, we've got ICBMs in Montana, we've got 150 of them. Malmstrom Air Force Base is an incredible deterrent mm-hmm. for this country and has been since the early 60s. Uh, they, uh, the military made an assessment that they wouldn't be able to gather the information that, that the military thought was important to China. Yeah. Um, and if that didn't happen that way, somebody screwed up.
3: You, um, on the issue of China... According to the federal government, 3% of the nation's farmland is owned by foreign investors. You have recently introduced a bill um, to try to restrict foreign ownership of farmland. I know this is an issue in a number of farming states. Why do you think that needs to be a federal ban on foreign ownership?
4: Well, look, I'm a farmer. I've been farming uh, my f- grandparents' land at the homesteaded. I think it's really important for food security. The folks, th- this is a ban against China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran, folks who don't want to see us exist anymore as a nation. I don't think they should have any opportunity to try to dictate our food supply or Any Chinese-owned company, period. Right, period. Done they're all connected with the communist chinese government anyway and so i think it's a reasonable step to take senator rounds out of south dakota does too so it's bipartisan and i think we should do it as a matter of course and i'm all about private property rights i think people mm-hmm. ought to be able to sell who they want to sell to but not in this particular case because china wants to do bad things to us same thing with north korea russia and iran so let's let's take that off the table both in farmland and in agribusinesses. I think, mm-hmm. I think it'd be a mistake, uh, really a mistake, for national security and for food security.
3: Senator Tester, thank you for your time this Bet. morning. Thank Good you. to have you here in person. And joining us now is David Martin, uh, our national security correspondent. David, uh, you've been listening to this conversation. Mm-hmm. When you speak to the Pentagon, are they any more clear on whether it is now established U.S. policy to shoot down any UFO over North America?
5: I don't think they have a policy. I think uh, if a, a balloon like, or an object like the last two, Friday and Saturday, is impinging on commercial aviation space, these both were up at about 40,000 feet, which is just the edge of commercial uh, aviation, and if you don't know what they're doing, then you shoot. And that's what they did in these two cases.
3: It's an expensive habit.
5: It's an expensive habit and also it may be a bad habit because you don't want to shoot first and ask questions later. Mm -hmm. But at least now that they're down, we're going to get some answers. Uh, The Canadian prime minister says he has a ground search team at the wreckage uh, that went down over Canada. They are not yet at the uh, wreckage that went uh, down just off northern Alaska. Uh, because they're dealing with something like minus 45-degree uh, temperatures. But sooner or later, we'll get, the, uh, we'll get that wreckage, and we'll know.
3: What do we call these? They're call- being called objects because the military doesn't really have a term they want to share with the public about them. Are they balloons? What are they?
5: <laughs> I would call them balloon-like objects. They, they uh, do not appear to, to have any maneuvering capability. They appear to be floating along at the speed of the wind. I just don't have a better word for that than than, um, balloon-like.
3: And the the prime suspect is China.
5: I wouldn't say that. No? I wouldn't say that, no. The um, prevailing wind brings everything that way from west, east, across northern uh, Alaska and uh, northern Canada. And there is a lot of what officials call sky trash up there. And sky trash includes balloons that are put up by governments, that are put up by corporations, that are put up by research institutes, and probably just by private individuals. Mm -hmm. And not for nefarious purposes, but just to collect scientific data. In the past, the U.S. just hasn't paid much attention to those balloons. But this Chinese balloon was, was a game changer. Yeah. And now, uh, certainly the Biden administration does not feel it can simply let these other objects pass through American airspace.
3: Uh, there were reports out of China about um, preparing to shoot down objects in their airspace. I know when you were here last week, you warned about the risk of miscalculation.
5: Sure. Um, I was talking about uh, reconnaissance flights. So we don't, uh, as far as I know, uh, penetrate uh, Chinese airspace with our flights, but just do it around the uh, periphery. Chinese have uh, um, a history of coming out and buzzing those planes. um, And sometimes it gets pretty darn close. And now in the wake of this uh, balloon incident, you wonder how much closer it's gonna get and whether the U.S. needs to uh, to take precautions. I, mm-hmm. I asked uh, the Secretary of Defense about that in an interview this week, and he just you know said, you can be sure we are going to uh, take all measures necessary to protect our, our planes.
3: And I imagine that's one of the things he wanted to speak to the defense minister about, although that phone call was not, uh, not answered by the, his uh, Chinese counterpart. David,
1: thank you. Sure thing. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it.
2: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, or text wondery pod to 500500. 500.
3: We go now to Congressman Michael McCall. He is the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Good morning to
6: you. Morning, Margaret. Thanks for having me.
3: Uh, I want to start on this unusual activity three takedowns in 8 days in the case of the spy balloon. This was Chinese surveillance, uh, according to the administration. Um, On Friday, they put restrictions on six Chinese companies that allegedly helped China's military build that balloon. Um, Is this the right move to just try to make it harder for them to get U.S. technology, or does Congress need to do something that's more broad?
6: Well, it's certainly the right move. Uh, It will be one of my number one priorities as the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, in this Congress to stop the export of technology to China that then goes into their most advanced weapon systems. In this case, a sophisticated spy balloon that went across three uh, nuclear sites. I think it's important to say, uh, in plain view of the American people. You know, in Montana, the Triad site, air, land, and sea nuclear weapons, in Omaha, uh, this spy balloon went over uh, our strategic command, which is our most sensitive nuclear site. It was so sensitive that President Bush was taken there after 9-11. And then finally, Missouri, the B-2 bomber, uh, that's where they are uh, placed. Um, It did a lot of damage.
3: Is that what U.S. intelligence told you? They've been saying they mitigated the impact.
6: They say they mitigated it, but my assessment, and and I can't get into the detail of the intelligence document, is that if it's still transmitting. Going over these three very sensitive nuclear sites, I think I think if you look at the flight pattern of the balloon, it tells a story as to what the Chinese were up to as they controlled this aircraft throughout the United States. Going over those sites, in my judgment, would cause great damage. Remember, a balloon can see a lot more on the ground than a satellite.
3: So you said you want to try to stop the export of te- technology that can be used by China's military. As a conservative, though, how much... This has to make you a little uncomfortable to have government try to control private business investment. How do you do that?
6: Well, we have what's called an entities list, the Department of Commerce. I have jurisdiction over the office within there. The uh, Department of Defense has one. We need to harmonize those, make it more security focused. Um, You know, capital flows is one issue, but technology exports into China that they use to turn, that may eventually turn against us, Uh, We have to stop doing that. And I think we can do it by sectors. Mm -hmm. They do it by companies now. Obviously, they identified the six. Uh, I think shockingly, when the balloon was recovered, it had American made component parts in there with English on that. It was made parts made in America that were put on a, a spy balloon from China. I don't think the American people accept that.
3: Do you believe that this was a strategic choice by Xi Jinping's government in Beijing? Or do you believe that it was just the left and right hand not knowing what was going on?
6: When I saw the sites that it was flying over, it was very clear to me this was an intentional act. Uh, It was done with provocation uh, to gather intelligence data and collect intelligence on our three major nuclear sites in this country. Why? Because they're looking at what, what is our capability In the event of a possible future conflict in taiwan they're really assessing what we have in this country i find it extraordinary the timing of this flight as well Mm -hmm. uh you know right before the state of the union speech and also uh you know right before secretary blinken was scheduled to meet with chairman xi uh, i think it was very much an act of belligerence on their part Uh, And perhaps they don't care what what the American people think about that.
3: Before I let you go, I want to ask you, um, you voted in the last Congress to provide a lot of assistance to Ukraine. But this past week, uh, at least 10 of your members, Republican Mm -hmm. members, introduced a bill called the Ukraine Fatigue Resolution to try to cut off aid. How hard is it going to be to have a Republican-led House continue to help Ukraine?
6: I still believe, Margaret, there are many uh, on both sides of the aisle, majority of the majorities. In support of this we have uh we have factions on the left and right that do not support ukraine this is a republican and that bill will probably continue right and i do think uh for me particularly it's uh we have to educate where has the money gone um you know the audits that are in place right now there are four of them on ukraine funding uh and we have to explain why is ukraine so important you know, what happens in Ukraine impacts yeah. Taiwan and Chairman Xi, that China's aligned with Russia, Iran and North Korea against freedom, democracy in the West. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a debate we'll have, but I still feel very confident that we will give them the assistance they need. I'd like yep. to see it faster so they can win this faster.
3: So you you think Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Green, others who signed this need to be educated?
6: Uh, I, you know, look, we took Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, in, into a briefing. Uh, she was satisfied, I thought, with what uh, the controls have been put in place on the spending. But I don't think that they will be, ever be uh, persuaded uh, that this cause is something uh, that they would support. I think they have this false dichotomy that somehow we can't help uh, Ukraine, you know, beat back uh, the Russians who invaded their country. Uh, and and secure the border. Uh, We can do both, we're a great nation. Um, And the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, this administration has chosen not to secure the border. He can't even control and secure our airspace now, it looks like.
3: Congressman McCall, thank you for your time today.
6: Thanks, Margaret, thanks for having me.
3: Face the Nation will be back in one minute. Stay with us.
5: I could stay here forever.
7: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
3: The death toll from that massive earthquake in Turkey and Syria continues to climb. There are now more than 28,000 dead, and the U.N. says they expect that number to double or more. Our MTS Tayyip reports from Turkey.
8: There are no words for this kind of thing. But for the tens of thousands whose loved ones were also killed in the quake, it's a gut-wrenching agony they all share. An agony that has touched every street and every corner of the southeastern city of Hatay, one of the hardest hit by Monday's 7.8 magnitude quake and the powerful aftershocks that followed. These rescue workers remain determined to keep looking for survivors even as the hope of finding someone alive slips away with every passing minute. It's been seven days now, and despite the exhaustion, the cold, and the sadness, these men say they're determined to keep searching. So too are these rescuers, as they carefully sift through the ruins of an apartment block. But then, their worst fear, as dislodged chunks of concrete and twisted metal start raining down on top of them. One emergency worker was moderately injured, the rest unharmed. For survivors who have already buried their loved ones, the sadness is all-consuming, as more fresh graves are dug up in anticipation of mass burials to come. The scale of the devastation continues to defy comprehension. International aid is now pouring in from around 45 countries, including the U.S. But the badly devastated Syria just two convoys have made it into the northwestern Idlib province, the last remaining rebel held territory in a nation already torn apart by more than a decade of civil war. This week, the U.S. Treasury announced it would ease sanctions on the Syrian government for 180 days as part of efforts to speed up humanitarian assistance. But President Bashar al Assad insists on handling all the aid shipments himself including to rebel-held territories, a major concern for most international donors who remain slow in committing support. So for now, most of what's crossing the border into Syria from Turkey are the remains of Syrian refugees killed in the earthquake, a country they once had to flee in order to save their lives, now only to return in death.
3: MTS Tayyip reporting from Turkey. We'll be right back with a lot more Face the Nation. Stay with us. Be sure to join us next Sunday. We'll be talking with Bernie Sanders, two-time Democratic presidential contender and Vermont independent senator. That's next Sunday on Face the Nation. When we come back, we'll be talking with four of our nation's governors. And we'll start off with New Hampshire Republican Governor Chris Sununu, who is also eyeing a possible presidential run in 2024. We'll ask him about that and a lot more. So stay with us. Welcome back to Face the Nation. We're joined now by the Republican governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu. And it's good to have you here Thanks. in person.
9: Uh, great to be here. Better here than the rest of Washington, because this whole town gives me the, <laughs> gives me the chill sometimes.
3: Well, you, you might need to go get over that if you're going to run for 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, as apparently you are considering doing.
9: Well, look, a lot of opportunity to change things, right? I think New Hampshire has this awesome model uh, of live for or die. Limited government, local control, individual responsibility—really um, putting the voters first. Send them some money, which is nice, but send them the regulatory authority too. So a little decentralizing out of Washington and maybe a little better attitude would be would be a good thing for America.
3: What's the proactive reason you want to be president? Not something that President Biden's doing wrong, but sure. something you want to achieve. Yeah.
9: which is the right question you're asking, by the way, because I, it drives me crazy when Republicans talk in an echo chamber about you know how bad you know the president is, and Democrats. We got the memo as Republicans. You got to be for something. What I'm Trying to do is kind of show that New Hampshire model, uh, show the opportunity to get stuff done. I've had Republicans in my legislature, I have Democrats in my legislature. I always get my conservative agendas done. All, we always cut taxes. We always balance a budget. And I can explain to folks in Washington what a balanced budget actually means. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are paths. And I think America is looking for results. We need results driven leadership, not just leadership like what? that, um, look, whether it's cutting taxes, being pro business, the regulatory reform, um, the immigration stuff that we were told was going to happen in 2017 and 2018 as Republicans, and it didn't. We were told health care reform would, ha- would happen, it didn't. We were told we were going to secure the border, and we didn't. So there's all this great opportunity that has a domino effect. They're not just things to check off a list, but those things have huge impacts on the American economy, and most importantly, American families, mm-hmm. right? They just want flexibility to do what they do, and frankly, they're tired of the nonsense in D.C. They're tired of ex- of extreme candidates. They're tired of gridlock. They want somebody to come to the table. And it could be myself. It could be other governors. It could. But it has to be leadership with proven results. I've been in the private yeah. sector as an engineer and a business leader. I've been in the public sector. you got to be able to deliver. And you got to hopefully be inspirational and hopeful as opposed to all this negativity you see.
3: But you still have to get the Congress to work with you to do that very long laundry list of yeah. things you just read off to us. So when you were here in November, you told us that uh, President Biden would not run for president in your estimation. You yeah. just saw him up close for yeah. the past few days. Do you, is that still what you believe? Well,
9: I know other people will definitely run. They're going to get in the Democrats, race. Democrats you believe? Oh, absolutely. Will him. Yeah, yeah, because Why do you me, say
3: that? Did someone tell you that? Uh, in the last l- few days?
9: Well, Joe Biden has tried to move the first in the nation primary from New Hampshire, right? But we're going we're going first, whether the president likes it or not. And so that's going to be a huge opportunity for anybody who wants to step up and challenge him. And if you look at the polls across the country, the average democrat says, "Yeah, thanks for your service on one term, but let's keep it to one term, President Biden." And I just don't believe the Democrat left wing elite is going to sit on the sidelines knowing you could come to New Hampshire, get all the earned media, all okay. the attention, uh, without a whole lot of money, all that political momentum. He's opened up his political flank, so to say, to give someone else a huge opportunity to charge right through and take that nomination from
3: him. Well, we'll see if your if your projection plays out, Um, you've been talking about trying to sort of remind the party that Republicans are about limited government. You said recently Republicans are almost trying to outdo Democrats at their own game of being big government and having a solution and a say on everything. Who were you thinking of when you say that? Oh,
9: there's a lot. Like, I think there's a lot of leadership out there that that forgets. At at heart, I'm a principled free market conservative. Let the markets decide. So there's no individual per se, but there's a lot of leadership that says, you know what? When we're not getting that result out of a private business or a locality, uh, we'll just impose from the top down our conservative will.
3: You're not talking about the Florida governor and Disney, for example. That's a bad example.
9: Yeah, that's that's an example. One one of the many examples. Ron DeSantis may
3: be running for president as well. Sure. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Look, Ron's a very good governor. He is but I'm just trying to remind folks what we are at our core. And if we're trying to beat the Democrats at being big government authoritarians, remember what's going to happen. Eventually, they'll have power in a state or in a position, and then they'll start penalizing conservative businesses and conservative nonprofits and conservative ideas. That is the worst precedent in the world. That's exactly what the founding fathers tried not to try to avoid. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to remind my conservative friends about fe- federalism, free markets, and uh, being for the voter first, being for the individual. Do I like what every private business does? No. I hate this woke cancel culture. But it's a cultural... What does
3: that f- mean to you then?
9: Woke cancel culture? Yeah. Oh, it's... it's Look, it is... Because you're not
3: a culture warrior, no, no, really. No, no. But,
9: but, but cal- it's there.
3: What does that mean <clears> on your platform?
9: It's the it's the divisiveness. divisiveness we see not just in our schools, but in our communities where it is me versus you. Whereas if you are not adhering to um, my ideals, then I'm going to cancel you out. It is us versus them. It's this binary where everything's a war. That's a cultural problem we have to fix in America. And it starts with good leadership, good messaging, more hopeful and optimistic. But government never solves a cultural problem. We can lead on it, but we never solve it.
3: Interesting idea. But you are contradicted by the Republican governor of Arkansas who gave the response for your party after the state of the union who embraced culture war. She says America's in one. Uh, She says it's being waged by the left wing, a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is.
9: That's absolutely right.
3: Are you going to engage on things like this, like like Sanders and DeSantis has in terms of issues on gender and issues of race?
9: There should be absolute leadership on that, about what that's about. And this idea that, you know, you have to, you know, we have forced language, that we have forced ideas on our kids, that we're going to force
3: anything. So you are going to be a culture warrior.
9: No, we have to talk about that. But it it isn't the government's role to solve it. The government is not here to solve your problems. It's not. The government is here to create. So a governor shouldn't be
3: actually talking and engaging and telling school boards and doing things like this or trying to pass laws like. They are.
9: I don't think governors should be trying to pass laws to subvert the will of the voters that know better than us. Voters are, are know more than I do. The voters on that school board know. The voters in those towns know a lot more. And if that's the free market of politics, if they don't like the school board, they get they go to town meeting, they fire them.
3: You yeah. are you call yourself a pro-choice Republican. You still have to win in a Republican primary. Is sure. there room for someone who calls himself a pro-choice Republican? Oh yeah,
9: look that issue is look that issue is going to change three different ways now that Dobbs has happened. Right, states can decide what they want to do. Right. So I think the definition of pro-life and pro-choice and pro-abortion are going to be very different because if you're a pro-life Republican, that's fine. That's as a governor, you can do that. You can ban it in your state and you can stay stand behind those ideals. And maybe that's exactly what your state wants. No problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a pro-choice Republican in in a very pro-choice state. But at the end of the day, you're going to have the pro-life over here pro-abortion over here, and then the rest of us are, well, we have a 24-week ban, and you have a 22-week, yep. and an 18-week ban. So the rest of us are kind of in this spectrum of debating about weeks. So that, the whole conversation is gonna change.
3: We want to talk about some of these issues in depth with you in a moment, so stay with us, Governor. And we're gonna bring in uh, a panel of bipartisan governors with us.
5: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
7: Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh,
5: burger time.
7: So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
5: I could stay here forever.
7: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download
1: the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery and we're back with Governor Sununu, and we're joined by Democrat Wes Moore,
3: who was just sworn in as Maryland's first black governor. Michelle Luan Grisham is the Democratic governor of New Mexico. Republican Doug Burgum is the governor of North Dakota. And it's good to have you all here at the table together. Thank you. Yes. Thanks um, for having us. Great to be us.
10: with
3: Thank you, too. I want to talk about some of these issues of common cause. Governor uh, Burgum, I know. Uh, The fentanyl crisis, the drug crisis, was a topic at the White House in recent days. Your state is one of six with the lowest rates of drug overdose deaths, according to the CDC. How is that possible when this is a national crisis?
11: Well, I think all of our governors, we're all border states now with the fentanyl that's coming into this country, perhaps manufactured in China, coming across the southern border. But in North Dakota, we've really taken an approach of understanding that If you're gonna have a war on drugs, which is this thing we've been doing in our country since the 1970s and 80s, uh, it can become a war on people who have uh, a health issue. They've got, addiction is a disease. And so we wanna be very tough on the people that are importing and distributing, but we also have to understand that uh, if, if people have the disease of addiction, it's not a moral choice or a failure. And so we've taken a approach uh, on a number of fronts, uh, one of the things that's been most successful is, is treat, treating the disease of addiction uh, is with peer support specialists. Because we know now that someone who's got lived experience, whether that's in the criminal justice system or living with the disease of addiction mm-hmm. uh, and in recovery, that they can help people through it as much as a an addiction counselor. So the whole approach is we've turned it towards one of uh, of treating this as a he- national health crisis, which it is. So we want to be tough on suppliers, but we want to be super supportive of those I that really are dealing with Appreciate
7: that approach that is probably going to be the uh, nexus of real bipartisan work uh, in new mexico we have a significant issue with substance abuse and overdose deaths uh, and i wish i could tell you that fentanyl is not a problem it is and in fact we were part of a fbi sting with one of the largest fentanyl busts uh, in united states history a million pills two million in cash But we didn't have any behavioral health system when I uh, became governor. Uh, The former administration, literally canceled behavioral health uh, and there were no providers They were all in litigation. Everybody left to other states. So now you have a crisis on top of a national building crisis that covid did none of us any favors to really address evidence based work about making sure that treatment is available mm-hmm. uh, is exactly how we're going to get ahead of this. So all of the uh, upfront, So dealing with poverty and food security, and jobs and workers and good education while we're treating folks who are currently uh, uh, dealing with this disease. And I think we can start to do that regionally with creative solutions that allow Medicaid uh, to pay for services across states when it's behavioral health. And we've eliminated co-pays for behavioral health services.
3: And is, this is something you're asking the federal government for help
7: to do? You know, I didn't actually do that during that. We have very, it's a limited who can ask questions, and that sounds uh, awful. We want to make sure that we're all benefiting by a topic matter that we can all take back with us and get a sense where the federal government is headed. But the Western Governors Association, which is another really uh, effective example Mm -hmm. about bipartisan work, we're interested in taking on behavioral health in a more regional effort and following some of the best practices. Uh, of North Dakota absolutely is going to make yeah. its way into achievements and better outcomes in New Mexico.
3: Governor Moore, I mean, you're new on the job, oh. um, but what is it that you plan to execute to, to deal with this problem?
10: Well, you know, I, I think what was said here was, was, is a really important point where we cannot go through the process <clears throat> the idea that we're going to criminalize our way out of this. Mm-hmm. And I think we've learned that throughout this process, that we're dealing with behavioral health and mental health. Uh, when you look at the proposed budget, that we laid out. Our proposed budget makes historic increases, increases of 39% uh, that's actually focusing exclusively on substance abuse disorders, on making sure that we're actually helping people when they're returning from Mm -hmm. incarceration, things like how are we dealing with uh, elements of record expungement, job retraining, job reskilling, making sure there's a better reintegration with the family. But there has to be a larger holistic way in the way that we are dealing with this challenge because it is true. We have spent two decades now dealing with a behavioral health challenge, essentially by criminalizing it. And there are long-term consequences, economic consequences, right. societal yeah. consequences that I know in the state of Maryland uh, that we are aggressively pushing on within the way our administration is looking at this work.
3: We were looking at some of the research, and in Maryland, in one county, they've had to use Narcan on students 11 times right. in the past year. That's and you're right. actually putting this in the schools because this is so common?
10: Because we, we have to. And that's the thing. As, a, as an administration, uh, I always say, you know, as a leader, I am data-driven and heart-led. Right. I, 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 I wear my heart on my sleeve, but I don't move without data. And the data has been so clear about the damage that this has done to our communities, both urban and rural. And I mean,
3: children, apparently. And
10: children. And, and to the point where we've actually now appointed a special secretary uh, who is a former mayor of Hagerstown, who actually got into politics uh, because of the issue of, of opioid addiction, had her best friend lost to, a, to an overdose, who is now serving as our special secretary on this exact issue.
3: You were nodding at the Narcan in school. Yeah,
9: absolutely. Look, the, one of the biggest issues is... Ac- this for, is a
3: drug when someone overdoses to basically help and, them and survive And Narcan
9: works for, for the most part. We can talk about where, where it doesn't work, but schools. You need access points to schools. Kids need to know that, um, that there, there is help there, what those systems are. Rural access to care is absolutely huge. People have to understand it's not a 28-day problem, right? That's old school thinking. Sometimes recovery is a lifelong uh, right. journey, so you need, right. you need recovery-friendly workplaces. You need wraparound housing and, and those types of services. Understand that also the fentanyl crisis—it's now being mixed with everything. It's, yeah. it, it's in vape cartridges. It's in marijuana. It's being mixed with xylazine. And let me tell you, if you don't understand the xylazine fentanyl crisis that's coming, it's horrid. It negates the ability of, of Narcan to revive you. Uh, and it, it's so the mixing of everything—I call it a cartel-driven crisis. Now it's no longer over prescription. That's always part of it, but the cartels have such access, and, and they, they're basically creating their own markets. They're putting it in Adderall. They're, put it, they're mixing it with, with black market Adderall. They're mixing it with Zen. How Xenex. are people buying it? Black market. As inflation goes up, more people go to buy their pharmaceuticals offline. And so they're going to get Adderall for the kids offline. It becomes mixed. Or the kids try to buy vape cartridges offline, and it becomes mixed with fentanyl. And the dealers know, look, we, we might lose a couple, but we're going to create addicts out of it. And so the crisis is the mixing where we have so many folks that overdose that had no idea they were even doing.
7: But we need to be careful, in my view, that we don't do this paradigm, you know, just shifting from one extreme to the other. Absolutely organized crime and cartels, which are embedded in every state have to be held accountable and uh, we all collectively that's a federal and state by state issue and
3: you have asked the federal government for more fbi agents and they denied you that request well
7: so far let's i'm i'm tenacious i'm gonna i'm (laughs) bet on me i'm gonna get those agents but to your point if we were all using our national guard to some degree. We need, we need them for our own state emergencies. But if we were doing drug interdiction work, then we're dealing with the bad guys and gals in this system, and we need to do that collectively. Instead, we're doing it, I do a little, you do a little, you. we should be doing it collectively. That's the right kind of leveraging.
11: One thing that we've stopped even using the word overdose, because no one is making a choice to kill themselves, as Chris was saying, I mean, th- these people don't know what they're taking. We have an epidemic of just huge proportions like we've never had before. And, and you talked about FBI. It, one of the things that's happening across the Western U.S. on all of the, the tribal lands, uh, the, like the sovereign nations that we share geography with in North Dakota, is they don't have enough BI agents. The federal government, forget FBI, so the the Bureau of Indian Affairs that would be doing that drug interdiction, their staffing is way down. Organized crime is preying on those Mm -hmm. tribal communities, and that's where they're basing their operations out of.
3: And you're seeing it in your tribes as well. We're seeing that too, yes. Um, I want to, this is a huge topic, but I want to make sure I get to you on the issue um, of abortion, because of course the Supreme Court threw this back to state capitals in June when they uh, overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, Governor Burgum the very last abortion provider in your state left after that Supreme Court decision. What has been the impact of that? Well, I'm not having that care.
6: Well,
11: in the in the case of this case, because the, the last one was in Fargo, it moved about 400 yards. It's now in Minnesota. Uh, so the effect of uh, people having access to care is uh, really they not, leave. Well, they leave, but they're going 400 yards further east. And I think this is this is a. Uh, what will happen across our nation. Uh, it's now back in the hands of states. Uh, North Dakota has proven at the ballot box the citizens voting. Uh, our legislature uh, very much is a pro-life with exception states. Uh, and so this is a uh, something that, that the state of North Dakota has been pursuing for a long time. But as Chris was talking about in the earlier mm-hmm. sec- segment, this is something that I think states can decide. And I think it, it ought to be decided at the state level.
3: That's it's a long way for a lot of people to travel, though, if they're not in prago now i mean what has been the impact in, in we're your seeing,
7: we're seeing women all across america come to new mexico and it is a long way to travel and what about aftercare and what about your family and what about the other uh, potential family members like other small children it is catastrophic this is where i think constitutional rights are a federal matter making sure that wherever i live in this country one country that my constitutional rights my bodily autonomy ought to be protected. And with all due respect for people who have moral, uh, uh, who morally oppose my position on abortion, they don't have to seek that care. Mm -hmm. But women who need that care get limited or reduced or eliminated access and women die all across this country. And we're going backward, and I, I could not disagree more with my good friend, Doug, about well, this I'm, being a state Well, I want to ask you on a very better.
3: specific issue, how you are planning to spin this forward, because abortions legal in New Hampshire, Maryland, New Mexico, the majority of abortions provided in this country happen via pill these right. days, That's and there's right. a Texas mm-hmm. court decision that is pending that might strike down FDA approval, as I understand right. it. Are you preparing? Are you stockpiling the drug? Are, are you planning at all?
10: Uh, we, we, are, we are preparing, as long as I'm the governor of the state of Maryland, uh, that Maryland will be a safe haven for abortion rights. I believe abortion is health care. This is really about how are we coming up with multiple ways of preparing for this and ensuring that all women know that we believe that their health, their safety and their security and of the providers is something that should be guaranteed in the state of Maryland.
3: Are you stockpiling
7: a drug or no?
10: We're not yet stockpiling a drug, but we are, we are in preparation. Yeah,
7: for but I think that stockpiling might be, if I can push back a little, yeah. the wrong the wrong question. Do we have enough of those drugs available in places? And each state's going to be a little different, but you can get those in our public health system. We're uh, moving towards uh, tribal nations providing access in any number of ways, including abortion, direct abortion care inside a clinic, uh, in addition. And the chilling effect of not having these medications now routinely manufactured is they're used to treat men and women for other like bleeding ulcers. We're going to have deaths unrelated, Because doctors are saying, in my state, I can't prescribe this. So this decision could have an even more chilling effect. So we're trying to figure out ways. Can we get a manufacturer? How much do we have? How long does it last? What are we doing about contraceptives and contraceptive care and sex education and school-based health centers? So all of the above approach, we're in. Governors,
3: thank you very much for your time today. There's so much more to talk to you about. I enjoyed this. Uh, We'll be back in a moment. We find ourselves in yet another moment where global crises seem to be converging. And yet another reminder for us about how to put it all into perspective. Four times in the past eight days, U.S. fighter jets scrambled to take out perceived threats tens of thousands of feet above North America.
5: That is a big kill. The balloon is completely destroyed.
3: The spy balloon and aerial objects are a dramatic wake up call that the U.S. isn't quite as insulated or as isolated as many like to think. Record level migration was already an unmistakable sign that failing governments, dramatic climate shifts and economic strain thousands of miles away eventually end up on America's doorstep. As President Biden pointed out Friday, the two biggest democracies in the Americas both recently withstood insurrections staged by far-right mobs.
6: Both the United States and Brazil, democracy prevailed.
3: Democracy also feels under strain in Israel, where tens of thousands took to the streets Saturday to protest against their new right-wing government. Meanwhile, Ukraine's democracy continues its year-long battle to survive Vladimir Putin's brutal onslaught. NATO warned last week that China is expanding its nuclear arsenal, and so is North Korea. Kim Jong-un paraded a dozen intercontinental ballistic missiles down Pyongyang streets Wednesday. And if the food and migration crisis in drought-stricken East Africa wasn't already a sign of Mother Nature's power, she sent us another signal Monday. This one has taken the lives of 28,000, and counting, lives in Turkey and war-torn Syria. For all of us, the ground does feel like it is shifting. Global instability may be a constant for the near future, and that may be a needed reminder to put our petty political disagreements in perspective. We'll be right back. This programming note, Caitlin Huey Burns and our investigative team unravels the mystery of who is George Santos in a new CBS Reports documentary that's available through our CBS News app. That's it for us here at Face the Nation today. Thank you all for watching. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Texas Republican Congressman Michael McCall, Montana Democratic Senator John Tester and a panel of governors, including Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire, Maryland's Westmore, North Dakota's Doug Bergram and New Mexico's Michelle Luan Grisham. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Shelley Schwartz. Face the Nation originates in CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network on Sundays at 1.30, 10 p.m. Eastern and again at 4 a.m. the next morning. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount+. Plus.
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.